Hello, Henrietta. Hi, Jason. How are you doing today? I'm okay, actually. <laughs> I'm, I'm actually, I'm good. Excellent. Well, I have escaped New York City and I am in the countryside. I'm in Dutchess County in the Catskills. And it is quite the respite up here, I must say. It's very different. I feel less caged and less anxious. I could see how fresh air would do that to you. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> it's been wonderful. Well, let's get into it today. Welcome to the conversations with Jason Campbell and Henrietta Galina. And um, Henrietta, we don't have a guest this week, but um, we are going to get into some things. <laughs> <laughs> that is an understatement and a half. <laughs> Um, why do you let our audience know what we are going to get into exactly? <laughs> I don't know. No, we are... Okay, this is a bit of a delicate situation, but I think you have to really bear with us on this one. Um, particularly given, I think, the divisiveness that's particularly in the press around Black leadership in trying to create a more equitable environment in fashion. But this conversation really sort of stems out of that and some observations and some should we say fashion politics, right? So the question today is when we talk about race and fashion, is there an element of this where we are doing this to ourselves? That's fundamentally what the conversation will be about today. That's fundamentally what the question is. Well, um, this part of this discussion was sparked from, uh, for me, from the recent Medium article that was published by a Black female anonymous um, current or former Essence employee. And I have to say, I was uh, quite struck by that uh, essay that she wrote about essentially a toxic work culture that she feels is going on in Essence magazine as it relates to the, the chairman, Reshilu Dennis, uh, the former CEO, Michelle Ebanks, and the content head up there, Mona Liu. And I thought it was so powerful and so brave for this individual or individuals. We don't know who they... I think it was a group of females, if I'm not mistaken. A group of females. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I thought that was just a powerful position to take and quite brave in that in this climate, you know, we're, we're, we're fighting for equity and there's a lot of Black voices in fashion that has risen during this time. It's been fantastic. We have participated in that as two uh, crafters of the Kelly Initiative. We also have been very much on the front lines of these conversations about the changes that the industry needs to make in terms of our equity surrounding Black people. So that there's been a lot more so than there's ever been in, in, in fashion, this kind of conversation. And for them to essentially be like, wait, 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 I, we also want to highlight, um, at least in this environment, at this company where Black leadership has gone awry. It, there's abuse of power going on here. And it's a... It's, through and through a toxic work culture. And in this time where we're calling for change, we are no more going to accept this from Black people as we, are, as we have been from white people. And so if we're cleaning up the trenches here, we're cleaning up the trenches from all toxic behavior. And so I think that's powerful. And we're leaning along the lines of like, what's going on in the Black community and, and how we can make sure that we don't go the way of total divisiveness and identify where the leadership structure may lie. Yeah, I, 
I think the last few weeks have been really interesting because I think when I read that article, um, and to be quite frank, a few things that have happened within the fashion political arena, there have been a few instances where I have been kind of looking at how Black participation is impacting the race issue in fashion, like in terms of who's complicit, who's perpetuating and facilitating such toxic behaviours and, you know, disenfranchisement and also just oppression. It's, it's interesting because that's been largely overlooked in this entire conversation, but there have been elements and, and stories that have kind of popped up that has made me think, actually, there's a problem here too, but I don't know that we're quite in an environment yet where we can necessarily speak about it because there is this narrative around the divisive nature of you know being black in fashion black leadership you know we had the new york times article that was like can they agree on how to solve fashion's race problem and it becomes this them versus them or who's not involved in this and who's not involved in that and so that to me is is a separate thing um that might in some ways minimize reduce or or dilute the conversation that needs to be had when we actually talk about examining just leadership and like people's role in this racial oppression, regardless of what the colour of your skin is, because I think that there are some, essentially some black players who are really um, hurting us and not helping us. Well, and that's the thing. I think one one thing that sort of surprised me in this period is uh, how self-interested some of these players are in this whole social justice uh, advocacy that uh, a lot of the same um, tropes are, are playing out in that space. I, that's not something that I that's not something that I expected at all. I, you know, sorry for for maybe my naivete in this, but you know, I feel that if we're fighting for such an important cause, I thought everyone would sort of like put in their maximum effort to get on a similar page as possible in order to execute the changes that are that are needed. And I have to tell you, from the conversations that have been happening in different areas of the industry amongst Black people, a lot of the changes that people are uh, speaking about is very, very similar. You know, it's essentially accountability. Accountability sort of blankets a lot of what we're speaking about. You know, we're speaking about, uh, you know, accountability at, at, at headhunting and recruitment and, and data and data disclosure and those kind of things. I mean, essentially, we're all speaking about just like gathering this information, have it be transparent and changing that work culture. But somehow, you know, people's um, uh, sort of desire for their for you know, creating a platform for themselves creating a future for themselves, having them uh, be the voice of a generation. All of those kind of human things are playing out inter-Black community. And I didn't expect that. And I didn't expect that. I don't think it's far gone by by any means, but I think that's one of the reasons I, it was important for me to discuss it at this point, because I think we also have to hold our community um, to, to, to accountability as well. And we really should be doing the best we can while we have this opportunity to make the changes that we're all calling. Yeah, I mean, for. it's a very delicate balance because I think that, I mean, look, you kind of hit it on the head a little bit in the sense that we're dealing with humans fundamentally. So no one is immune to anything, right? I think that there is as much as, you know, we're not a monolith. I think we can all agree that for the most part, we're all on the same page, that change is 
need to happen. Structural changes need to happen. Systemic changes need to be made. But that doesn't negate the fact that, you know, we're all human. So there are elements of self-interest and people trying to further their own agenda, etc. I don't think that solely exists within the white community in fashion. That said, I think it is a delicate dance because I do think that what we do need is unity and to really get on the same page. So, you know, when the Essence thing happened, it was highly disappointing because it's like Essence is the one Black publication that comes to mind when most fashion people think about Black media. So it was incredibly disheartening and disappointing that I hear you. And, you know, even hearing stories about the way that some Black people and people of colour are moving through this space and this movement and the way they're navigating it has been incredibly disappointing and that's but that's what makes this very very delicate and a little bit convoluted because I think that the idea of accountability does need to work on all sides I don't know that if we're in a space like I said before where we know how to do that without perpetuating the divisiveness that I think some media are trying to um that narrative that they're trying to inject into this conversation, right? Because ultimately, we don't want to look like a bunch of, you know, black people, black on black crime, all of that sort of thing that seems to be the narrative around here. But I keep saying it does mirror culture. I mean, we've seen that with people like Sean King, Sean King's having a bit of a fallout moment with everything that's happening within this Black Lives Matter movement. And he's literally being labeled a fraud. So again, it's, you know, fashion does tend to mirror culture. So ultimately, I think that that's what's happening here. I just, it's just so delicate that for me, I'm nervous that it could get conflated with a non-issue of press division. Do you know what I mean? Like, oh, they told you, told you they can't work it out. Right, so for me, I'm like, I don't want to complete the two, but I definitely agree that uh, it, it needs to be addressed. And I, I, I think one of the issues that I have observed is that there is almost a, um, and I wouldn't call it factions, but there's almost the groups that are aligned to the establishment as it currently is. And they feel that um, uh, aligning with the current establishment is the only avenue for change. And so um, I feel that that kind of like, and in many ways that, that concerns me because that is upholding the establishment of oppression and injustice in many ways. And so if we're looking for the sign off and really the air, there's also that talk about, well, we have the air of the right people. That, that's a very alarming thing to me if we keep considering the people from the legacy individual who are the oppressors as the right people. And those are the kind of people that we're looking to sign off. I believe me, I understand how establishments work. I know that they don't get toppled in a day and there's a way of navigating those kind of things. Yes. Yeah, so I will, I will, I will give credence to, to that strategy to some extent. And I also do understand that the, and a totally outlying approach it doesn't always necessarily work as well because you may not have the credibility, you may not have the profile. Those things still work in this culture as like, what have you done to be the spokesperson or be to be the agent of change in this scenario? But I think that there is a there is this sort of line where where these two camps are don't always necessarily communicate or necessarily agree, rather, uh, because they feel one is more establishment and the other, let's say, is a bit more iconic plastic. 
So that is one thing I have observed. I can't necessarily say these, this group and this group is in this camp and this group and this group in that camp, but that's the kind of understanding. And that's how I'm parsing through this, uh, the feedback right now from the Black community well, that's, in fashion. I don't think it's an either or. I feel really strongly that it has to be a collaboration. That's why unity here is so important, right? And uh, it goes back to that revolution versus reform conversation. It does seem like incremental change is ultimately what is going to happen, right? That's how it's going to play out. But for the same token, you can't be so in bed or closely aligned with the establishment because you're somewhat indoctrinated and have to kind of play to their game book in some ways, right? And 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 you can't be a complete outlier and independent because to your point, you don't necessarily have access to said people. You're not in those rooms. So I think there needs to be some coming together because I think that independent iconoclastic thinking well, can marry really well with the people that are aligned with the establishment that can get those ideas heard um, and maybe lends them I a agree. diplomatic way that would fall more softly on establishment ears. So I think it really is about collaboration in its truest form. But I do think that looking at the establishment is the issue here also, because I think when you look at something like Essence, how much of their business structure or their power structure is mirrored against a status quo establishment model, right? It, it all sounded very right. Devil Wears Prada, the fallout, the fallout that's very happened with so. Nast, the fallout that will happen with a, you know, a Fox News or an NBC. It, do, it just, it really had a lot of those same codes where I was like, really? It really just seems like they've mirrored the status quo. So it really goes back to what is the establishment? What is the status quo? And how is that dangerous? Because again, Black people aren't immune to following a lot of that same behavior and a lot of that same strategy and a lot of that same governance, you know, those those codes of governance. So again, it's like when you're so closely aligned to the establishment or you're modeling behavior based on the establishment, that seems to be the issue with what's happened to Essence, much like this um, idea that people are talking about, about this new, like, black fashion establishment. Well, no, if you're going to mirror an existing fashion model, that Anna Winter culture, but just make it black, that doesn't work for us either. That doesn't work for our development either. No, that... So it really is like, we can't mirror these structures and these behaviours. We need to find a way to dismantle them. But how do we identify the challenges in a true way that doesn't get amalgamated with other things and conflated with other non-issues, but also is a real honest conversation about accountability and maybe some level of atonement. Right, exactly. And I, I think that's why we should not shy away from this at all. And that's why I think it's important for us to have the conversation in this forum because someone put it, someone put it away, and I, I'm going to have to paraphrase here. It's like almost like agents of um, agents of the state masquerading <laughs> as community organizers. That, like, I, I don't know who to attribute that to, but I really, I, I really like it. I'm using it here because that does exist as well. I, you know, I don't want to paint a sinister picture as you know, black people you know, working as operators, but I do want to highlight that at this time, though. At this time, if we miss the opportunity to identify toxic culture that we are not going to move forward, we, um, then it, it's going to be to our detriment. And that's, that's why I feel this is important to have it in this, in, in this form and also for other Black people to have it in a very open form. Like, wait a minute, 
going forward, this is acceptable behavior and this is simply not acceptable behavior. And I have no fear in addressing it at this point while the change is afoot. We're right at yeah, the intersection Yeah, and I right think now. it was, who was it who had said in the New York Times article that the beginning of any revolution is a bit messy and then it gets distilled down to the cause and, and the furtherment of the movement. I am 100% kind of paraphrasing. That's obviously not... And it, it was probably probable going for, for the record, yes. And, 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 yes. and that's, what, yes. I, that's where I think we are right now. Not to present a completely dystopian narrative, but my fear is who's having those conversations in a transparent way that, that they'll be heard and not written off as negative, right? So obviously the, the medium piece with Essence was great, but I mean, we don't know who they are. They felt really, really scared of any level of um, vindictiveness or retribution, the idea they might not be able to work again. So it was all anonymous, which really gave Essence ammunition for quite a, a direct and some could say quite brutal response. I mean, they literally were like, we irrefutably deny these claims. There was some kind of nod to the anonymity playing into this. They really were just like, that's over there. That didn't happen. Nothing here to see. And so it's like, who are the people that are able to have these real conversations to say, look. But however, Henrietta, I have to interrupt you there and say they did all the people that were called out or rather all the people that were accused of abuse of power and poor behavior. They were all subsequently either resigned or retired. So the the change. It did, but that's not really what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the conversation. I'm talking about the dialogue that fosters meaningful, lasting change. I worry that we are definitely in this age of call out culture. I don't agree with call out culture as the first port of call. I don't also agree that it's like, okay, I'm going to shout about this. You have to leave because that doesn't really. I mean, it solves part of the problem, obviously, getting rid of toxic behavior and toxic people and problematic power structures. But then what? It kind of creates this kind of chasm, this vacuum. Do you know what I mean? It's almost like when you go in and you basically like get rid of one dictator and replace it with a problematic group, it becomes this thing of like, okay, but where are we learning? Where is the room for atonement? Where is the strategies and, and talking about tactics of change. How are we actually moving through this beyond council culture? I think that that behavior is becoming increasingly judged. And so actually, especially with this idea of accountability culture. And so people are also less inclined now to call people out for fear of looking negative, et cetera. But so wait where a minute, is that but- forum to actually be able to say, hey, you, you're a leader in this movement actually you can't be trusted because of xyz let's talk about this let's discuss it like how is that where is that how can that happen well yes i mean that certainly should be fostered in the in the work environment but i i, I do want to actually go back to this essence thing uh you you actually detailed the the series of events but it was very important in that they responded saying that this is categorically incorrect that did did not happen so in many ways they did not try to atone. They did not have any sense of accountability. And subsequently, changes were made as a result of them not, not taking responsibility for their actions. So and the change came about because, in fact, they did not do that. They did not take the opportunity to be like, we did wrong and we will do better. And in many ways, I, I agree with you. And I think when people 
when we talk about cancel culture, and I'm, I'm, I'm finding it really problematic how people are running away with this whole cancel culture thing, because it's, it's used in a way that it's more extreme than it actually is. Simply because you identify transgression, you identify toxicity, you identify poor working environments and all of those kind of things. And you may identify the individuals who are who are the, the proponents of this and you you call them out. You're not necessarily call them out to have them be dragged and tarred in the streets. You're calling them out to say that stop doing wrong, stop doing bad. It doesn't necessarily leave room. I mean, it's up to that individual how they want to repair that is, you know, and so if you don't, if you don't step up to that opportunity to make reformation, to, to atone for your sins, essentially, then you, uh, you actually should be canceled. <laughs> and that's what we're talking about. You know, there's nothing wrong with it, but people are using this, they're weaponizing cancel culture, like, oh, simply because you call out the transgression. Oh my God, now you're the pariah. Now you should be, you know, like, no, 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 no. We're not twisting this. And it's being very effective. Do you see how that's being tossed around? Even in this quote, you know, we're about accountability culture, not cancel culture. That's a, that's a soundbite that's very loaded and it doesn't really speak. It doesn't really speak to a difference, particularly. It's actually is, is essentially saying the same thing. But you see how that line is being drawn and that difference is being, you know, outlined. It's not the case. So that's my issue with cancel culture. Yeah, I, I mean... I think the lack of transparency overall is ultimately a big part of this problem. So it's like when we talk about um, black leadership, it's just, it's very convoluted because on one hand, we're not a monolith, but on the other hand, we kind of have to be, you know, in order to make, in order to be taken seriously and there's strength in numbers and there has to be some common thinking, some commonalities there in order for us to make swift moves so so that also doesn't leave much room for having this dialogue because you know we have to be efficient and get on with it and to topple one person or to or for one person to sort of vacate and make room for someone who is more genuine or, or whatever that case may be oh, is, yes. <laughs> I don't it's very delicate to me it's it's almost like what I just said we're not a monolith but I fear we almost have to be because even with the essence thing, it's like, there's nothing to see over here. We're the only black media publishing company that is in the mainstream. Like we're one of the few, let's keep it pushing. Let's keep being that example. Like no time for this shit. Like that, that reckoning might not really be able to happen in its entirety because of the position, because of what's happening in culture, because we need to get on the same page and move forward. So it becomes this uh, very, Again, this very delicate situation. I really don't know how else to describe it. You know, I don't know. This is a, this is a, it's a very weird one because I think, I do think also intention is everything. So it's like, how are we understanding that hearts and minds are changed also? Because I think the account of what was happening at Essence was really, I got chills reading it because it just, I couldn't believe it. It's also more problematic for me when what, is projected is so counter to what's actually happening internally, right? So it's like right. when Reformation, that whole thing with Reformation happened, or Refinery. Like, not to be a complete dick about it, but I don't feel like they were espousing anything that made me particularly surprised when, when it happened. Like, I didn't look at the founder of Reformation and think, 
there's a woman waving the diversity flag and championing inclusion. Like, I just didn't think that. Like, she kind of seemed like a mean girl. Her press wasn't really, I mean, it was mainly kind of steeped in sustainability, but there wasn't really anything that made me particularly clutch my pearls or, or, or particularly shocked when, when she was outed. I think the difference is when you really trade off of inclusion or diversity or supporting black women or giving black women a voice and a platform and empowerment and equity. And when you trade off of all of those values and it, the hood is opened or the whatever that saying is, and, and all of a sudden you're just like, whoa, not only are you not doing that, it's the complete fucking opposite. And you guys are toxic and impacting people's mental health and careers and upward mobility. All of those things are really problematic. And so that's the whole thing. I think that's also part of this, because when we talk about black empowerment and when we talk about this movement in fashion, that is what we are projecting. So when your intentions are not that or counter to that, when your behavior behind the scenes is counter to that, when there is oppression in some way, shape or form or, or anything that just isn't exactly what it says on the tin, right? That is really problematic. But again, I don't know how we have those conversations because it is it calling out. Right, but, it, I, but, he, but sorry, to, sorry to interrupt you, Henrietta, but here's here's the thing that, and, and we'll have to go back to the um, to the episode we did on Black leadership. And that's one of the reasons why it was very important for me at the time to have the discussion, because I have to say, and I said it then, there is a dearth of Black leadership. I think that there's a, there's a, there's a, a bounty of interest in Black issues. And I would say that um, there's an interest in certainly dismantling the system of white supremacy. And ultimately, I think that should be the collective goal. Um, but in the leadership structure, I mean, I think, you know, we have people like a Lindsay Peoples-Wagner, who is the editor-in-chief of a magazine, but it's still vying for a leadership position in, in the Black space. I think we have to understand we have other players out there. We have an even Beth Ann Hardison who's out there, who's been a legacy leader in this space, but is, you know, beholden to Gucci by taking their money for advertising and this kind of thing. I, I spoke about those things before. There's just a dearth of leadership. And if we can't identify a person, a Sean King, someone who is not beholden to anyone, that it will go out on a limb for dismantling white supremacy in this industry. Like, let's stay on that. Let's stay on that note. We do not have a clear-cut individual or individuals in this industry, to be perfectly honest, who are who is qualified and has and has allocated the time. And this is their work. This is their focus, and this is their work in this industry. And I, I implore you to name me someone. I know many people in this industry, many people concerned with the Black issues, but I cannot identify that leader from my Rolodex either. And I think that is an intrinsic problem. And I think one of the issues that I mentioned at the beginning of this conversation is the, the self-interest, the, the seeking for fame, the agenda building, and all of those sort of things. There's so many things that has polluted and corrupted the player's that are participating in this. And I have to say that I know that we, they're all well, they're all well intended, I would say. I do think that Black people is their interest and their focus. But I'm sorry, um, if you're going to step on Black people's neck to build your personal profile, that is unacceptable. And I can't co-sign Well, here's that. the thing. Sorry, no, oh, here's sorry. the thing. You, uh, it's interesting because you, you did mention Sean King. And yes, as a fierce independent, that comes with challenges too. So I just want to, I just want to say that to circle back on that point. 
But here's the thing. I think that thinking is highly problematic. The idea that we need one, this is the, this is the whole issue with essence. If there was a plethora of black media, right? then the essence challenge could maybe be handled and reconciled in the way that it needs to be. I think the fact that it is the only one or one of one of a, a very small few means it has to bypass certain protocols, certain processes, and it has to accelerate to this place of like, okay, nothing hits safe, we're good. And that's the problem. And I think that this idea that there is like one leader or one group of leaders is really problematic and really pushes that Vanessa Friedman New York Times narrative of like, they can't get their stuff together. There's too much going on because there's no one person that's going to fix it for us. There's no one person that is perfect. No, that, that's not what I'm proposing. And I, and I think that, and I think that, that therein lies the problem. I think any one person that takes the mantle, it's going to be, did you see her Facebook from 2006? Oh, but didn't she work here? But didn't that person do that? Didn't he go out with that person? Like, there's no such thing as as a savior here. But, but no, but Henrietta, but see, you have you t- you you didn't you didn't fully listen to to my proposition either because I, I as I said, I'm talking about leadership. I said an individual or individuals, and individuals can represent a collective that um, that speaks to different interests from different areas of this industry. So again, we like to go, we run ahead and talk about, you know, no, no, not one person. That is not what I'm proposing at all. I'm talking about leadership. And and to your point, to your point, this leadership can come as a collective. So why can't a leadership group come together with, you know, one represented designers, the other, the stylists, the more executives or however, the other, the retail, because that's what people are speaking to. So why can't these different interests be represented by the respective representatives and get a collective? And essentially that speaks to a collective voice. But that strategy is not necessarily being. But isn't that what Black and Fashion Council is? I I hope I hope that this, you know, this Black and Fashion Council will serve as this umbrella as they are attempting to do will serve as this umbrella entity and will hopefully, you know, have the interest of all the different groups, you know, in mind and and come up with a strategic plan to, to execute what makes sense based on, on a consensus. I mean, I would hope, but again, you know, I mentioned before that I don't understand how a Lindsay Peoples Wagner, who has a, a full daytime job, can give enough time to an effort like this that is so important and dire and it requires full-time attention. Yeah, I don't... I do not know the setup there and, and, and how that's being staffed, et cetera. But I, I think that you raise an interesting point because again, I think it is about that collaboration between independent and iconoclastic thinking and people who are more aligned with the establishment. And I think what's happening here is we're being pitted against each other, right? So it becomes this thing of like, oh, we yeah. disagree or they disagree or uh, that person doesn't like that person. And actually, I think that tension is good because I think in that tension really is the solution. Yes. It becomes like a Malcolm X MLK thing where they started out in the civil yes. rights movement and they were so on opposite ends of the spectrum. And actually, when they were both assassinated, Martin Luther King was way more radical and Malcolm X softened and become a lot more diplomatic. And I think that was that there was something really beautiful in that. And yeah. I think that that's 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 yes. where we need to be into community. We need to be able to say, I don't agree and I don't like that. And this isn't right. 
And, and yes, but that's true. And I agree with you there, but not there. And we have to be able to say that. We need to be able to follow. Yes. That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm yes. saying. Like, where is that dialogue? <laughs> of like, ooh, so-and-so. I, I don't know. the best person to be like leading this because if this is problematic, then that's problematic. So how about we give someone else the chance? So how about, you know, you talk about this with six other people that can speak better to this issue than you? How about... Where is that dialogue? Because again, if we're just mirroring existing structures, it can't work. It can't work. Like with essence, it's like if you're if you're mirroring there, a Condé Nast or a Hearst or a NB or a Universal Pictures or NBC or whoever the hell owns those multitude of, of companies, like if we're just mirroring, how are we actually changing? Like how are we changing the paradigm? How are we dismantling the power structures and the problematic systems? I don't see how that's possible, but I don't see where that conversation's happened because even you and I know if you're not part of the core group or if you're not, if people aren't really here for what you're saying, you just get excluded and people keep pushing. So that's what I'm saying. It's, this all just feels very dangerous, but I don't feel comfortable it, it does. expressing that for virtue of being, oh, calling out and we can't shame people and, oh, there's no real space for negativity. And it becomes this thing where it's like, you just kind of need to get on the same page to move along, to get along. And I'm a bit like, oh, I don't know that we need to just be moving along to get along. I think there needs to be these hard conversations, the critical thought. Not everyone's going to love it. Not everyone's going to be on board with it. But we kind of just need to move past it. We need to move through it. And you cannot shut down. Like, that's the thing. As much as we're asking white people to have indelicate, to have like very uncomfortable conversations, we have to be willing to have that in our community as well, amongst each other, no matter how long it takes, no matter how, you know, fiery a conversation becomes, because it is that important. I, 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 and there's nothing, and another thing, Henrietta, there's nothing territorial about any of this. You know, as anyone in the organization around, around equity for Black people, there's no, nothing territorial about anything in this space. This is all for the greater good. And I just think that if we operated on that premise, that the feeling that there's division um, would evaporate. Yeah, but I think that the idea that it's not territorial, while it's it's um, ideal, I think that's also part of it. Because when you're not when you're not particularly married to the idea of status or power, or you're just like that is not my agenda, it's also really easy to be pushed aside. Because to be in that arena right? To be in the thick of the fashion politics. That's why I've said about, um, that's why I said on my Instagram, I was like, I'm not made up for this. Like I'm not made up for the, the politics of fashion. You have to really, really want, want it for yourself. Like you have to really want to build your platform. You have to really want to, you know, cause I feel like if you are really in it for, I'm not in it for the press. I'm not in it to be an influencer. I just, I'm here for the people. You are willing to make sacrifices and let things go and move forward in a way that can sometimes get you out the game. I think that's also part of it because you almost have to have the will to be like drilling your way to where you need to be. And that requires a kind of different agenda at times where you're just like, does that make sense? Does that make any sense? Yes, I understand you. I mean, essentially, you're, you know, you're, you're saying, where do your priorities, where do your priorities lie? Um, is, yeah, is like the path would, to success, uh, the path to success also does require, um, you know, some elements that doesn't mean that you're just only about 
because I think that's just the way that politics works in whatever area of or industry you're in. Well, Henrietta, this issue, we're, we're actually talking in very real time on this. I think these issues are playing out literally on a day-to-day basis. And, um, and, and, and as I've expressed, we have, we've been participating in this by uh, helping to write the Kelly Initiative. And we're watching this space actively, and we're certainly part of the conversation. So this will be ongoing. But I think what, we're, what I would like to say is that I would like to implore the greater Black community in this industry just to really keep getting closer to each other and working together. Like that should always be the agenda and not work towards any sense of any feeling of divisiveness or any action. Yes, 100%. I couldn't agree more. And I think everyone agrees on that. I think that's fair to say. I, I, I think so. But, and I also want to say that we are not going to be accepting, you know, any, any <laughs> monsters from this age going into the next age. Just to say, just to be clear on that, those monsters, we have lived with monsters in this industry for decades, and we will not trust and believe that we will not be, be signing up for any monsters going forward, and particularly but again, and not and not to Hello. not to. I know we, you're wrapping this up, but Jason, where is the inter-community dialogue or area or forum for that to happen? How are we saying we don't want the monsters? How are we extracting the monsters? That's what I'm saying. That's the whole thing. Well, I, I think transparency, honesty, authenticity, I think in, in, with those things in mind, um, I, that would be the way to purge the monsters, I, I feel. And it's not, again, I don't want to end on a negative note like that, because I, as I said, the, the energy is about moving towards each other and toward a collective understanding, collective work. Um, so that's the energy I want to I want to leave on. But yeah, the monsters reveal themselves, don't they? And I, I have to say, yeah, there's been some, you know, there's been some um, wolves in sheep's clothing in this period. And I, I, they're revealing themselves for sure. And again, I like the essence scenario because these are black people that are saying we will not accept black on black crime in this time either. Yes. No, we will not. Absolutely. OK. And on that note, Henrietta. Okay. We will see you the next time. All right. Listen to us the next time. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye. (laughs) Okay.